Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, once again we're back and I want to just welcome all of you and uh, I trust that uh, after last week's word when we spoke about the power of a praising heart that God will again speak to you today. Uh, we saw that the quality of our lives is determined by our heart's condition. Our attitude of heart determines whether we live in blessing or in some degree of curse and misery. This week I want to share about the power of a thankful heart. Uh, recently I've had some people helping me at my house with my, my gardening and uh, we've been pruning some of the rose bushes and uh, if you look at the, the rose bushes you might complain that the roses have thorns. It's very true and uh, for some this is enough reason to not want to have roses in their gardens but for me I understand that, understand that roses come with thorns. So I'll, I'll gladly suffer the thorns for the beauty and the fragrances of those roses. In life, it's often the same. It's, a, it's really a matter of our perspective. You see, we only have this life to live. And what we do in this life not only determines where we spend eternity, but we can make decisions and, decisions and we can make choices that will define our lives while we live on this earth. See, if you really want to have a joyful life, you must learn to be thankful. If we are thankful for even little things or for little, I think we'll enjoy much. But if we're unappreciative, we're going to be miserable and always complaining. James, the third chapter, the sixth verse, describes what our greatest enemy as a believer really is. And I don't think he's the devil. I, I, although the devil is a formidable foe, I don't think that the devil is our greatest enemy. Rather, it's our own tongue. James chapter 3 and verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. James says that the tongue sets on fire the course of our lives, and that the fire that it sets on, that, 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 that is ignited, is, is set on by hell itself. You see, it's with our own words that we enter into a spirit of heaven or into the agonies of hell. See, when we allow ourselves to grumble or to complain, we're really opening ourselves up to hell-like punishments, miseries, and torments. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So in that scripture, we can see that, you know, there's a tremendous power in the way that we speak. And, 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 and you know, the Bible describes it that we control death and life by the words and the power of our tongue. The Apostle Paul brings this same thing to our attention in what happened to the Hebrew nation in the wilderness when they grumbled and were destroyed because of their grumbling and their complaining. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, he, Paul warns, he says, Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured, 
and were destroyed by the destroyer. You see, whenever we open ourselves up to grumbling and complaining, we really reduce the quality of our lives. And it's, and it's in direct proportion to what we're speaking about, speaking about ourselves or speaking about others or our situations or our circumstances. In fact, we can be directly or indirectly responsible for introducing a destroyer into our lives that can bring about our own death and our own ruin and, our ruin of, and, our, and bring our lives to ruin. I've seen the damage of ingratitude in the lives of people. And in my opinion, it is the number one destroyer of relationships, marriages, families, friendships, business partnerships, and even nations. You see, once in ingratitude enters into your heart, it opens the door to destruction. The opposite of gratitude comes from that word ingratitude, which comes from an entitlement feeling, which issues forth from pride. The stages of entitlement are easily explained. We have seen this play out, and it's playing out in our nation and around the world right now. And to the degree we see this, I, I see that it's beginning to wreak havoc, especially between generations. And here's how it kind of works. First of all, you receive a gift. Second, you get used to the gift. Third, you expect the gift. And fourth, you think you deserve the gift. Can I tell you something? Entitlement kills the soul. Paul said that the Jews who grumbled and complained during their difficult circumstances were destroyed by the destroyer. Who was this destroyer? Well, the Bible speaks about a destroyer uh, in both the Greek and the Hebrew, uh, and uh, we see it in the book of Revelation. Uh, in Revelation 9-11, it says, And they had a king over them, which was the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. You see, the Jews were destroyed by this spirit, this spirit of Abaddon, the spirit of Apollyon, this destroying spirit. That's what it means, destroyer. So you have to think about how entitled were these Jewish people. Think of what God had done for his chosen people. He sent them Moses to deliver them, and they complained against him. He sent 10 plagues against the Egyptians to break the power of oppression from the back of the Jews. He gave the riches of the Egyptians into the Jewish people's hands as they left Egypt. He opened the Red Sea and had the Israelites pass through on dry land. He destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. He appeared to them on Mount Sinai. He gave them water and manna and quail. He provided clothing that never wore out. Yet even with all of his provision, they grumbled and they complained, and they opened their lives up to the destroyer. Whenever you and I are complaining or we're unthankful, we're opening our lives up. We're opening the door to the destroyer. Our society is becoming more and more judgmental, critical, and fault-finding. It appears that more and more people are less and less tolerant of each other. There are now many who are specialists in describing this misery. Experts, moral accountants who can tally wrongs and assign guilt to someone or some group who is not politically correct or woke enough, that somehow has hurt them or their feelings. Now, I've never spoken to one of these people who were happy or blessed or content about anything. They expect an imperfect world to treat them perfectly. 
Although I do believe that there are people who have been mistreated, even whole segments of society, and they may deserve some kind of special attention. I think this is the exception and shouldn't be the rule. Or we shouldn't allow it at least to lead to this entitlement. You see, for, for most people, the problem lies in what I'm speaking about, this ingratitude. It is ingratitude that keeps festering wounds alive. It keeps the wrongs of the past on the ledger. You see, we have to make an intentional effort to forgive the wrongs of the past and to become thankful for what we have right now. Listen to what the psalmist says. In Psalm 100, verses 2 and then verses 4 and 5, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. You see, gratefulness and thankfulness leads us into His presence, which leads us into the place of freedom and eventually victory. Even though our circumstances or our situation has not changed, as we shift our focus onto the Lord and we come before Him with a glad heart, we begin to change. The change doesn't play, take place in our situation, but our attitude, we begin to change. Our heart begins to change. You see, the key that unlocks God's presence in our lives, that allows us to come before His presence in heaven, is a thankful heart. See, entrance into the courts of our God comes as we begin to praise the Lord. If you really know God, you're going to be thankful to Him. A thankful heart honors God. We respect what we reverence. Today it seems that when people say that they know God, they often mean they know a bunch of facts about God. <laughs> but do we really know Him? Listen to Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Paul is saying that knowing about God is not enough to enter eternal life. Even though we may know God, if we do not honor Him as God and thank Him for ruling in our lives, in our thoughts, It'll only tend towards foolishness and the darkening of our minds, the Bible says. When we're ungrateful in our state of mind, every word we speak is lit on fire by hell, and it'll eventually consume whatever joy or hope we have left. I've heard it said that a proud person is seldom a grateful person because they never think they get as much as they deserve. Personally, I believe we all should be grateful for what we don't get. In fact, for the fact that we don't get what we really deserve. Because I know for a fact that if God gave me what I deserved, I'd be destined for hell. My mom, my mother, used to teach all my brothers and sisters, there were eight of us, uh, that when small irritations or adversities came to us, or things that were just contrary to what you wanted. She would say, and uh, she would instruct us, she'd say, 
Learn to offer those things up to the Lord. Be thankful in spite of them. They'll soon be passed. Boy, those are words of wisdom. And I actually believe that God has made a provision for our lives. He also has a plan for the problems that are, arise in our lives. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice evermore, or rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's two things I want you to see. First of all, that this is God's prescription for knowing His will. What's God's will? Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. What's His will? Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. See, some people come to me and they say, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. You see, out of a thankful, praising, worshiping heart, you're unencumbered with the destroyer. You're unencumbered with things that can destroy you. In fact, it leaves doors wide open for you to have the presence of God, the blessing of God, and the will of God in your life. So not only can you know the will of God, but secondly, when irritations or difficulties come in our life, understand uh, they may not be God's will necessarily, but learning how to be rejoicing and thankful is God's will. See, God doesn't want us to succumb to defeat or he wouldn't have us pray without ceasing. We're not supposed to accept difficulties. We're not supposed to be fatalistic. Instead, we're commanded to be vocally thankful. You know, I've often praised my way through tough times. I have thanked God for what I had, even though I thought I deserved more. When we receive less than we desire, it is not necessarily God teaching us to endure poverty or lack, but he's, rally, he's really rather trying to teach us thankfulness. See, we don't measure our lives based on what we amass, but on what we enjoy. I've learned that often less is actually more. Because once you learn to appreciate what God has already given you, it really doesn't matter how much you have. You learn to delight yourself in God. See, God has given you and I much to appreciate. But sometimes we can't see it because our hearts are in the wrong place. Paul warns Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, verses 5 and 6, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. He says, from such withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, God wants us to be blessed and he wants us to prosper. But if we're distracted by comparing ourselves with others, how can we appreciate what he's already given us? We must learn to be grateful. Someone once said this. They said, when I see a poor man who's grateful, I know if he were rich, he would be generous. There's a truth in there. A thankful spirit is a generous spirit because they appreciate and receive the riches of God. When we are thankful with little, God can entrust much to us. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Boy, there it is, the sacrifice of God, the sacrifice of praise 
That's, 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 that's what we offer. As we, and, and sometimes praise is the sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Can you see this being woven into every scripture? The power of your tongue, the power of what you say, unlocks the grateful and thankful heart, unlocks the throne room of heaven, and unlocks the blessings of God. We see this in the Old Testament in Psalm 50. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of your house, nor he goats out of your fields. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the days of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee? When thou sawest a thief, then thou contested with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as yourself. But I will reprove thee, and I will set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, yet that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Here's what the Bible is saying. He says that God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. He is not a God who desires ritual forms of worship. It's not about the Jewish practice of sacrificing bulls and goats. God wants a relationship, a relationship that transcends methodology. God wants us to enter into a covenant in bonding ourselves to Him, uh, the two becoming one. All covenants have certain language. And that language is always centered around sacrifice. For the Jews, it was the blood of bulls and goats. But for you and me, it's the sacrifice of praise. Verse 23, it says, Who offereth praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright will see, or I will show the salvation of God. You see, the terms of the covenant are simple. We pledge to thank him and adore him and give him praise and worship for everything. He pledges, he pledges to beautify us with salvation. Praising and thanksgiving is a sacrifice. <laughs> and to be honest with you, sometimes it's very costly. 
Pastor Bonnie, in her teaching on praise and worship, exhorts us to be praisers. Her favorite scripture is Isaiah 4, 3, 2, 1. Isaiah 43, 21. This people that I have formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. God created us to be praisers. He knows that that's the best thing for us. She teaches us that there's two times to praise the Lord. When you feel like it and when we don't. As we praise Him in our situation, in the circumstances that we find ourselves, we create an atmosphere for our deliverance. It becomes part of our healing and the beginning of our salvation. You know, there's an amazing story and an example of this found in 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 22 through 23. It says, And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen thyself and mark and see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. And the servant of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the mountains. Therefore they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they. I love this. The enemy said that the God of Israel was the God of the mountains. But if they fought the Jews in the valleys, they would defeat them. Isn't that just the wisdom of people? <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves in the valleys and our trust moves from really trusting in God to looking at our circumstances. At other times in our experiences, as a believer, we can find ourselves on the mountaintops where we have clear vision for our future, we have perspective, we have confidence. It seems like nothing can stop us. When we find ourselves in life's valleys and our vision is limited and our future seems hidden, this is often where we can lose heart. We begin to agree with our enemy. This is when we have to remember something. We have to remember that God is the God of both the mountains and the valleys. Listen to what it says in verse 28. It says, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the mountains or the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude in your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Well, can I tell you something? This is where learning to be thankful in all things, in everything, is so important. It's about keeping a thankful heart. It's about remembering who God really is. I know that our circumstances can toss us to and fro. We can be on the mountaintop one day, and then, man, we find ourselves in the valley. I've seen this in people's marriages. I've seen this in their businesses. I've seen this in their homes. Man, I've seen this in relationships. And once you're in that valley, sometimes we forget that God is the God of the valley. He's there to help us. We have to get back to a thankful heart. We have to learn to be thankful in everything. We have to understand what it means to keep a thankful heart. Remember this, that valleys are also some of the most fertile places on earth. And the valleys often produce fruitfulness in our lives. Uh, if we order our conversation aright, the Bible says we will see the salvation of our God. Begin to thank Him. Thank Him right now. Start recalling all that He's done for you, the gifts that He's bestowed upon you. Start by thanking Him for the, the blessing of life itself. There's some things we can be thankful for, regardless of our current circumstances. 
First of all, we can be thankful for our very life. We didn't deserve our life. God gave it to us as a free gift. Thank Him for our salvation. God didn't have to save us. The Bible says He longed to. Be thankful that you're never alone. The Holy Spirit is with you and He's in you. Be thankful that you're never without hope. He says He gives us a hope and a future. Be thankful that our greatest need has been taken care of. You know, sometimes we can think that our greatest needs are things, cars, jobs, relationships. But when we read the Bible, our greatest need was to be delivered from the wrath of God, from all of our sins that would have separated us from Him for all of eternity. That need has been taken care of in Christ Jesus. Let's thank God. Let's be thankful for what He has done for us. Let's be thankful for what we have. And let me tell you something. If you're going through a tough time, even today, would you just stop and remember all the things that you should be thankful for? You know, so many people are no longer thankful. They do not have an attitude of gratitude. In fact, whining and complaining and fault-finding seems to be the order of the day. I've learned this, that it doesn't help to be part of the whiners. It doesn't help to point out the faults of others. They're probably not going to change anyway. It doesn't help me when somebody points out my faults. Now, if we have a relationship and we're working on that, and we're develop- but if, if every time I see you, you're pointing out my faults, I won't want to see you again. Rather, let's be thankful. There's so many things to be thankful for in our own lives, with God, in the life of our spouse, our children. Oh, you know, when somebody told me once that, uh, you know, if you look for dirt, that's easy to find. But you have to move a lot of dirt to find gold in somebody's life. There's a truth in that. Can we start looking with thankfulness for the gold? The gold in our lives, the gold in other people's lives. Let's be forgiving. Let's be full of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're listening to this program today, if you're being touched by the Holy Spirit, if God's speaking to you right now, you may want to act upon this. One thing I've learned is that if you act upon the Word of God, it can change you. There's a phone number right there on the screen. If you phone that number, there's somebody on the other end of that line that can speak to you. They may not be a professional counselor. They may not even be a pastor. But they have been trained to help you to either get to a pastor, to get to a professional counselor, or right there. The Bible says that where two or three agree is touching anything, God hears us and gives us an answer. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we just need another believer, someone else, just to reach out to and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you? God spoke to me today. Would you help me? They can direct you to some of our classes. They can direct you to some of our online classes. Uh, the church is going to be coming back together. We're going to be having classes at, the, at, at, the, at our, our different various churches. They can direct you to a church in your area. You know, this message goes all over the world. Uh, you may not be able to get to a celebration church, or you may not be able to have a celebration church in your area, or there may be one. Well, we want to get you into a Bible-believing church. We'll help you do that, too. So whatever we can do to reach out, pick up that phone. Talk to someone. Let me pray for you right now.
Father, I'm thanking you for each and every person under the sound of my voice today. Father, we are so easily found in the camp of the grumblers and the complainers and the whiners. Father, that's the human nature. So we ask that your nature would take over today, that you'd help us to give thanks in everything. In everything we give thanks. Help us to rejoice in the Lord always, to pray without ceasing, and to be thankful of heart. Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, we repent today and turn from our unthankfulness. We are thankful that you are God. We're thankful that you're on the throne. We're thankful that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, no shadow, and no turning. We thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're so grateful that as we come before your throne, we have access to all the power and all the deliverance that we need if we would just worship you. So we just take time right now and we worship you. As we close the service, our hearts lean in, touch you, worship you. Worship your son, Jesus. God, thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.